up, we bring you our Friday profile. So what does Bill and Melinda Gates, as well as uh, French President Emmanuel Macron, um, South Korea's uh, Moon Jae-in, and tennis player Serena Williams, and Professor Kelly Chilabe have in common? Well, they've all been named as some of Fortune Magazine's world's greatest leaders for 2018. What Fortune Magazine has been doing over the past couple of years is looking for uh, uh, people, influential individuals in different sectors across various industries, in business, government, philanthropy, and the arts all over the globe. And they look for men and women who are transforming the world and inspiring others to do the same. And then they publish this list of influential social figures and behind-the-scenes motivators that they they admire. And these are leaders who are using their influence to make the world a better place. Well, Professor Kelly Chilabe of um, the University of Cape Town has been named um, as part of this illustrious list. He founded and he's also the director of Africa's first integrated drug discovery center, H3D, which is located at UCT. And it employs over 60 researchers. There are uh, a number of other of uh, postgraduate students who work with them as well. And it was founded in uh, 2011, and it makes it Africa's first integrated modern drug discovery and development center. So we chat to him now from London. He's been traveling these past two weeks. When, since this announcement was made, in fact, he's been uh, uh, all over uh, the U.S. as well as London, but he's making his way home today. So it is an incredible privilege to have him with us um, as we talk about the center the first of its kind in Africa and how it plans to harness the modern pharmaceutical industry skills and expertise in the drug uh, uh, discovery value chain. Prof, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations, by the way. Thank you so much for um, your kind words and thank you for having me on the show. And, and by the way, my last name is actually Chibale. Chibale. I see my yeah. apologies there. Chibale. <laughs> That's all right. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. So, so what did you think? How did you feel when you discovered that you were named one of the world's most influential leaders? Yeah, you know, this was completely unimaginable. I couldn't have imagined it. So it was... Um, Unbelievable, um, overwhelming, and uh, very humbling as well. I think mm-hmm. that's how I would describe how I felt. Wow. Do you remember where you were? Um, incidentally, um, I was in the lounge at O'Aratambo International Airport <laughs> um, preparing to travel, and I didn't know that I had made the list, actually, you know, because um, when I was first informed, literally the week before, um, they said that I'd been nominated, and of course, a nomination doesn't mean that you're in. Yes. Um, um, and then, I, then they interviewed me uh, a few days later, asked me some questions, um, and then I came back and, and said, here are the facts that we captured from the interview that we had with you, uh, asked me to check some facts. Um, anyway, I still wasn't sure whether I'd made the list. So mm-hmm. anyway, so, but they said to me, the list will be out on uh, Thursday, the 19th of April. So yes. I was actually on my way. Uh, to Washington on a trip that was already arranged, which had nothing to do with the, mm-hmm. you know, the list. Um, and then, lo and behold, when I was in the lounge, I remembered that they said that the list would be out on Thursday. So I decided to just check <laughs> Google, <laughs> and lo and behold, I, I saw my name. You so made exactly the cut, yes. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> so now you're heading Thank home, you so and uh, it's probably going to be a celebratory weekend. <laughs> so perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the you founded H3D um, at UCT in 2010, but it officially launched in 2011. So when was this dream birthed? What, what motivated it? Yeah, 
Good question. So really, the I think the, the main thing is I'll, I'll put it maybe give you two points really. Mm-hmm. So so the first one is is what I really call. Um, um, actually, it's Afro pessimism, which is a term, by the way, I first came across uh, when I read an article by the journalist uh, Max Dupreez, mm. Dupreez, mm-hmm. he's an African journalist, and um, uh, and so this was a paper back in 1999. I think he was referring to, you know, the coverage of the the news coverage of the SABC uh, in at that time, which was not covering more of the African issues, uh, but covering more of the Western issues. So, mm. so anyway, so that term, um, you know, really applies to many things. So, so for me, the, the Afro-pessimism, there, there are two sides to it, where um, in the scientific world, you know, there's a low expectation of uh, both on the part of the non-Africans and the Africans themselves, uh, that they do not believe that, um, uh, you know, we can innovate in, in for example, in the case of uh, uh, contributing to discovering new medicines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they think that this can only happen in the Western world. So I think that is a, is a challenge that I, I, I took. Um, um, and, and to really just um, try and make a contribution and, and change this perception. Yes. And debunk this myth that uh, we cannot innovate uh, in under right conditions. Secondly, um, I think that it's, it's a recognition, first of all, that um, us as Africans, um, I mean, frankly, we have been beneficiaries for a long time mm-hmm. of the innovations and, and, and research that has happened elsewhere. And, you know, the thing about research or anything in life, uh, when you talk about respect, we cannot demand respect. We have to earn it mm-hmm. um, uh, when we have the opportunity to, to, to earn that respect. So, so for me, it's also Africans... Um, contributing, and when I say contributing, this is always going to be a partnership with, you know, various people, whether they are from Africa or, or not, doesn't matter. This is about partnerships. Yes. How can we work together collectively to address challenges which are not just African challenges. They are human challenges. Mm-hmm. Just like we have benefited from innovations that have come out of the, you know, the research in, in the developed world, you know, it's only um, right and appropriate that we, we contribute as well um, and not just be recipients of that. So wow. I think those, the combination of that w- was really the, the motivation. Yes. Um, and maybe just a, a final point on this is also that Often there's a perception that Africa is only a place where you can do clinical trials. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the gap that we've always had in Africa, South Africa included, is the gap between the hospital, the clinic, and the laboratory. Mm-hmm. So we can do clinical trials uh, very well, uh, and the infrastructure in South Africa is, is, is of course, world-class. And we're going to, we also do very good world-class basic research. But what has always lacked is the translational aspect mm-hmm. where we can translate the basic science into into products. So that was really uh, a motivation so that we can um, also not only bridge this gap, but also inspire the next generation Absolutely. to believe that this is possible. Yes, and we see when you look at the Ebola outbreak or even other crises, uh, the the question of infrastructure, the lack of infrastructure and supporting scientific research has been sorely lacking. Absolutely. You know, if we, as Africans, if we do not critically look at ourselves, the easiest thing to do is to blame someone else for your problems. And I think sometimes we play this game of blaming. I'm not saying that we can't blame other factors for whatever, mm-hmm. but I think we need to apportion blame. And before we even think about, in my view, before we even think about blaming someone else for our problems, I think for me the starting point is 
infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Our people are not asking for handouts or, or, or donations or whatever. Is when I say infrastructure, it is not, it is how can you prosecute a project without some basic infrastructure? Mm-hmm. And I don't think people are asking for handouts or money because um, there are challenges everywhere else in the world. Um, but for me, unless we have some basic infrastructure to start with, because then that infrastructure is going to attract projects. Because the funder, first of all, before they take a chance to give you funding, they need to be confident that you're all going to be able to deliver. And uh, one of the things that you need to demonstrate is that you have the appropriate infrastructure uh, to be able to compete uh, and deliver on whatever you promise to deliver to the funder. Yes. So absolutely, that most of our people, they get trained very well in the Western world, but they cannot put into practice mm. what they've learned yes. uh, back home because there's no infrastructure. Mm. And then we blame them for, you know, looking for opportunities somewhere else. Elsewhere, no, we absolutely. We, but also we have to address infrastructure. There's also the question of the potential of uh, uh, the... the, the the kind of potential to, to, that can lead to seeding a pharmaceutical industry that will create employment while in, in a lot of ways seeking to address the challenges of the various disease burdens that we have. So there's also the economic spin-offs and what we can turn or what can come out of this kind of focus on research, the scientific support and research that uh, your, your, your organization is doing. Absolutely spot on. In fact, uh, you know, if, if, if you look at the research and development industry in the Western world, whether it's in North America and, uh, and, and Europe, is actually that research is not a luxury. It creates jobs while it's happening. Even before you see a product or a successful outcome, um, you know, in fact, in research, there's no such thing as, um, uh, you know, a bad result or a good result. The fact is, even if a result is negative, there are lessons to be learned because mm. you're generating knowledge. Mm. But more importantly, is that when we're doing research and development, absolutely, as you said, we are creating jobs, we are creating career opportunities. And this actually not only contributes to the economic development that we've seen, um, you know, as examples in North America and Europe, um, that actually it, it creates jobs, but also it helps us inspire young people to have interest in science. Mm-hmm. Because why should they do science if they cannot get a job? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, people need to have a career, need to have a job. And so I think it's important that we, we really push this kind of franchise so that we can create jobs for our young people. There's so much unemployment amongst the youth. Uh, we need to contribute. This is always going to be a partnership. Uh, it's not just government, but all of us must come together and um, create opportunities for young people. Mm. So let's look at uh, H3D, because you and your team it now includes more than 90 researchers, uh, including postgraduate uh, uh, students. And you work out of the state-of-the-art facility, thanks to a partnership with a number of donors, um, Novartis and the South African government and the Gates Foundation. And incidentally, Bill and Melinda Gates are also featured on this list. A sort of serendipitous moment. Tell me about your journey in realizing this facility? Yeah, it's a serendipitous moment. Um, as I say, you know, the, first of all, this is exactly coming back to your very good question before, mm. uh, uh, was infrastructure. And I think, you know, I, I'm extremely grateful, um, um, both to the South African government and the leadership of the University of Cape Town, mm. because that is actually my home. My home is UCT. And without the support from 
the leadership of the University of Cape Town, starting with the, my head of department uh, of chemistry, the department of chemistry where we are based, uh, the faculty of science, the dean of the faculty of science, all the way through to the deputy vice chancellor for research, the research office, uh, the vice chancellor, um, but also government support. Um, and so by creating this environment and infrastructure, that then became uh, attractive for people like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, not just on the basis of um, some of the track record um, uh, that we showed. Uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Novartis, have been there from the beginning, mm-hmm. partnering with the University of Cape Town, partnering with government, because we all recognize that this is about partnerships. So it's not just looking to share in the benefits, but it's also looking to share in the risks. So the journey was really that it was building brick by brick. It didn't happen overnight. Yes. Um, in, in 2011, I only had five postdoctoral fellows in H3D, hmm. five, um, and one project uh, with uh, uh, the Medicines for Malaria Venture, which, by the way, really they deserve tremendous credit. This is MMV based in Geneva because mm-hmm. they were there even before we started working with the, uh, the other partners. Um, and they gave me an opportunity to work with, with them, MMV, on this project. Right. But that was the seed that was planted and the success that came out of this project with mm. MMV, um, then laid a foundation and a seed to attract other partnerships and allow us to build a track record, which then attracted other funding from, from the Gates Foundation. Um, Novartis was there also uh, almost uh, you know, at the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. But government support and the University of Cape Town Wonderful. environment has been absolutely critical to leverage the funding that has come from yes. the Gates Foundation, from Novartis, from Medicines for Malaria Venture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, so it also begs the question about where the African millionaires and billionaires are for such efforts. Absolutely, and as I said, um, uh, you know, I don't have a right to tell them how they should spend their money, but it's a real shame that, um, you know, at this point in our history, you know, we cannot just leave everything to government. I think the private sector really has a role to play. I mean, the example I gave you of Novartis, you know, Novartis is a private company and they come to the party to contribute because this must always be a partnership. So my hope and sincere hope is that our billionaires um, and, and I'm, I'm sure there are billionaires who are doing things we don't even know about yes. and, and uh, wonderful things. And I'm not saying that they don't do anything. I'm just saying that, look, look at the visibility of Bill Gates and what he has done and Bill and Belinda Gates has actually inspired other billionaires to follow suit um, in, in actually, you know, contributing to, to science because this is the only way that we're going to be competitive to find solutions um, in medicine, in science, in engineering, innovation. Absolutely. So I would hope, hope to see more African mm. billionaires uh, doing what Bill and Melinda Gates are doing. Mm. Now, uh, so H3D mainly works in the field of uh, tuberculo- tuberculosis and malaria. And from some of the reports that I'm seeing, you have, or, there is already the potential for a drug for malaria ready for human trials. Can you give us an update on that? Yeah, so this is a drug that we um, we discovered uh, with our partners, um, MMV. Um, so it's it's actually currently in already in um, human clinical trials, phase two human clinical right. trials, uh, and it entered that stage last year. But you know, this is a long process. We so when you talk about discovery, it's about building a portfolio of projects uh, which are at different stages of, of the value chain. So. 
our, our most advanced program is, is a program on uh, one of the malaria projects, which you know delivered a candidate molecule that's now in clinical trials, mm-hmm. um, and that's as far as I, I, I can say now. But it completed phase one uh, human trials in 2014-2015, uh, which was done at the UCT Clinical Research Center, and then it entered what we call, um, it's a mini phase two, uh, it's a small-scale phase two mm-hmm. study that was completed in 2016, uh, which then confidence, gave confidence that we could proceed to a bigger study, uh, phase two study, uh, which started last year. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, those studies are ongoing, and uh, the, the results that come out of there will be evaluated before the next steps. Right. Um, but just to make one more uh, point on this is that, how long a project takes? Mm. I mean, just to give you a simple, simple statement. So on average, it takes between 10 to 15 years from discovery to putting something on, 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 on the market, if it is successful. It may not be successful because most projects actually fail. They mm. don't see the day of light because it's unpredictable. It could fail at phase one. It could fail at phase two. It could fail at phase three. Of course, it's not a failure because you learn lessons from there that yes. then you use for the next discovery phase. But that also assumes that you have all the funding you need to proceed from one stage to mm-hmm. the next stage. Mm-hmm. In the absence of that funding, you cannot move to the next phase of, 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 of the clinical trials. That's, so, that's um, why these research yeah, so, grants are so, so critical. But, uh, Prof, I also want to look at your your upbringing because your own story is inspiring. You grew up in Zambia. Where did life start for you? Um. Quite rough. Uh, you know, my, I lost my, you know, my dad, uh, my father died uh, when I was uh, two months old. I never saw my father. I mm-hmm. uh, got brought up in, uh, you know, villages and townships and townships. I, um, it, it was pretty rough. I, you know, one of the townships I lived in, because there were many townships, um, had the name translated from the local language. Uh, the name was sadness. It was just Whoa. sadness. Yeah. <laughs> um, well. um, but of course, I can laugh because I can look back, but it wasn't necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, no electricity. Um, I never saw electricity. Um, and in fact, I was an undergraduate at the University of Zambia uh, when I would go back to my township uh, with, without electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and sharing a very, very tiny room, um, no running water. Uh, you know, you, you, you have to bath in the evening when no one is watching. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, uh, so anyway, so, you know, this is not to trivialize anything, but, um, but I don't think it's important how one starts because we can end up in any kind of situation, whether it's in township or whether today I am born Bill Gates' child. I don't think it matters. What matters is how do you go on from there, accepting that you didn't choose your circumstances. Something happened, and we all have different circumstances. Um, and, you know, I don't think anyone should be blamed for particular circumstances um, because we don't choose uh, who we are born, who we are, and who in which family we are born. But what's important is how do we move on from there? Yes, it's absolutely, because forward. We, we all have adversity in different parts of our lives. So what kept you persevering? I think, I think it's two things. Um, it's my faith. I really believe in God, and I believe that um, um, my life is not an accident, uh, that ultimately my life is in God's hands. So my faith, my Christian faith is very important uh, to this day. But secondly, um, is to the motivation was, you know, you can use the disadvantage. 
when you have a challenge or a disadvantage, you can, ma- you can choose, you can make two choices. You can either begin to complain and see yourself as a victim and think that life owes you something. Or you can say, I am going to use this challenge, this problem, this disadvantage as an advantage. Because then what it does is that the motivation was then to how can I improve myself so that my children don't end up in these circumstances that I found myself in. So for me, that disadvantage, even throughout my life to this day, a disadvantage is a source of motivation Mm -hmm. to try and um, overcome that challenge. Because if you relax and you're complacent, it, it is challenges that shape our character. Most people, we don't know what people go through. You know, perceptions are very dangerous because even the people we think are wealthy or things are going well for them, we don't even know what they're going through at that mm-hmm. point in time. And we don't even know how they got there. Um, and we don't even know if you look back to maybe their parents or their grandparents, you know, at some point, you know, life was tough for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, because life is multi-generational. Um, so so my, my view is that, you know, it's unfortunate um, life has got challenges, but it's how we move on from those challenges. Um, that, you know, we, 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 we use the past to learn lessons, but not to hang on to the past because the past can be very painful, mm. as it was in my case. Yes. Well, Professor Chibale, congratulations. And it was really a privilege to, to talk to you. And we look forward to all the work that will be coming out of H3D under your leadership. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zanya. Thank you for the opportunity um, to speak to you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Congratulations, not just to uh, Professor Chibale, but also to all those that have been selected as part of Fortune Magazine's World's Greatest Leaders for 2018. And he's one of them. So he is the founder and director of uh, this facility that's housed at UCT, Africa's first integrated drug discovery center, H3D. In fact, a couple of years ago, they got a grant to focus on um, uh, uh, anti-malarial property plants and they've identified a hundred. So there's great progress that they're making and great insights that are coming out of the work that uh, they're doing at H3D. Wow. That was today's Friday Profile.